Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Market Bites. I'm Sam. And I'm Josh. And we're here to break down three of the hottest financial events that happened this week, so you can keep your finger on the pulse. Whether you're on your way to work, at the gym, or wherever and whenever you have the time to get updated. So, are you ready? Let's get into it. This podcast is for information and education purposes only and should not be taken as investment advice, a personal recommendation or an offer of or solicitation to buy or sell any financial instruments. This material has been prepared without taking into account any particular investment objectives or financial situation and has not been prepared in accordance with the legal and regulatory requirements to promote independent research. Past performance is not an indication of future results. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Uh, I'm joined, as usual, by Josh Gilbert, who's just told me he's been playing football in 27 degrees heat in Sydney. Uh, Josh, how are you? Hot and hot and sweaty? Yeah, yeah, very warm. As you can see, still a bit, uh, still a bit rosy on the old cheeks uh, from football. But no, good, Sam. Good here. How about yourself? Yeah, not bad. I actually went for a, for a coffee earlier, a little walk into town and blue skies. So in the sun, amazing. One of those lovely sort of end of winter spring days. Uh, however, you get in the shade uh, and it's blooming freezing, you freeze over pretty quickly. Uh, but yeah, not too bad. Things are looking up. Things are looking up. Uh, podcast this week, then we're going to go full on earnings. Uh, so we're going BP, Pepsi and Disney some very popular stocks out there uh but before we do get into it let's go through our latest quiz question quite a, a tricky one i think uh i mean they haven't been easy at all i'd say as well um but yeah i'd, I'd like to think people out there whether it be on a thursday or friday are, are down the pub or having food and they're telling their friends these quiz questions and making them sound very, very uh, smart. And they're all impressed with them. Probably wishful thinking. But anyway, this week's quiz question is, there was only one company in the world that was in the top 10 companies by market cap at the beginning of the 80s, the 90s, the noughties and the teenies. So the answer, uh, the question is, which was it? It actually fell out of the top 10 at the beginning of 2020, which could be a clue or maybe not. Josh, any any thoughts? 2020 is actually throwing me off. Mm. Um, so I've got two guesses on this, given that I do look at top 10 companies quite a lot. Um, so the one I'm most confident on is Exxon Mobile. Okay, let me write that down. And your number um, two, if you had to go for a second. Yeah, so X, the 2020 throws me off of Exxon because I think it fell out of... The, the top 10 before that my second i'm not as confident on because i'm not as confident on, on between the the other years in between but i th- i'm pretty sure it fell out recently and the second is johnson johnson okay jane jane cool everyone at home write down something too have a little think and we will give you the answer at the back end of the podcast and actually just on sort of top 10 companies while i was looking into this uh over the last 20 years Microsoft has only not been in the top 10 once, which was 2002, which is crazy. And it's been high up in those top 10s for a majority of those times, which is pretty incredible. Uh, Let's kick off then our earnings focus with BP. Uh, I saw a lot of very frustrated Twitter and Instagram users on on Tuesday after 
their report was published, profits hit a new record uh, and their share price did rise in yesterday's trading. Uh, what do you take from this report? Yeah, well, the oil giants just can't be stopped at the minute, right? Um, On fire. As you mentioned, yeah, uh, hopefully not. Hopefully not. Um, uh, record annual profits, as you said, Sam, um, more than doubling last year's total, $27.7 billion. Um, you know, some some huge numbers and, and the oil names, you know, we mentioned Exxon then, BP, Shell, you know, they've uh, they've really been uh, rewarding investors uh, over the last year. And for those that have sort of especially owned them throughout sort of 2022, um, you know, would have been, as I say, rewarded for that. And then BP announced, you know, some more good news, 2.75 billion share buyback um which it expects to complete before announcing its q1 2023 results in early may and it also boosted its dividend by another 10 percent. so again rewarding investors through dividends um but you mentioned it you know a bit of frustration from consumers a bit of criticism over obviously the oil and gas industry which you know is a big topic at the moment um you know these companies in, including shell as well they're making billions of dollars at a time when you know, many are, are facing difficulties, um, you know, whether it's justified or not, because we've got Apple still making billions of dollars as well. Uh, maybe it's slightly targeted, but look, more consumers, I think, want to just see a significant increase in the renewable energy investment, right? They're making money off of fossil fuels. And ultimately, people would say, you know, they're damaging um, the environment. So, but away from that, look, the, the company itself, they are investing into renewables, um, but obviously not enough for some. Bernard Looney, the CEO, said about eight billion um, investment into energy transition uh, within ten years, and up to eight billion more into oil and gas uh, in support of energy security and energy affordability. Again, within the next decade as well. Um, so maybe that's not enough for some people, given that they made twenty-seven billion dollars in profit, uh, and you're only committing about a billion, well, less than a billion dollars a year. But um you know that's not for me to judge but as i say in a year when markets have come under pressure uh oil names have, have done really well bp shares have jumped more than sort of 20 percent in the last 12 months which is obviously a vast difference to what we've seen from sort of the broader market um and as i say those dividends have you know have come at a brilliant time dividends um you know are great for investors and were one of the best performing um you know sectors if you like high dividends was one of the best performing sectors you know, in 2022. Uh, and that's something to sort of touch on. We still do have payout ratios for something like the S&P 500. That's still very low levels, mm. which continues to mean that actually going into 2023, we could continue to still see these companies paying strong dividends and lifting their dividends. Um, ultimately, you see a lot of loyalty uh, through investors with companies that pay that dividend because you're still getting an income, even if, um, you know, there's some difficulty in history, sort of tells us and shows us um, that, you know, dividends outperform uh, inflation and can beat inflation as well. So that's something to, to sort of bear in mind. Um, but finally, look, oil prices have come off fairly significantly in the last sort of few months. Um, and another down week last week made commodities the worst performing asset class this year so far. It's a bit of a flip on its head. We've got Bitcoin at the top there as well. So a bit of a reversal, as you say, from, from that leadership in 2022. 
Um, we've still got some difficulties with with sort of OPEC, no changes from them. We've still got some sanctions with Russia as well. Um, so maybe we're sort of beginning to see the end of those record profits. Uh, may not continue to to see them beating month after month or quarter after quarter, I should say, um, as those oil prices come down. But we've obviously got to remember China is still coming back online and we could see plenty of demand from them when things do uh, move up into to, to second gear. So something to keep an eye on. But but as I say, you know, um, great results, great dividend. So as an investor, you're going to be pleased. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just having a look at the chart, 182 percent higher off the 2020 low uh, for anyone lucky enough to catch that to the tick i'm sure there'll be a few people on twitter that said they had uh also quite interesting it's it's just hit its high from july 2019 there are some levels a little bit above that but uh yeah incredible move and it's just been in such a nice trend to the upside so investors are certainly happy there will they be trimming some of their profits maybe maybe it struggled to get above this high for for a while i mean this earnings report has obviously helped that uh, but yeah incredible incredible move next up for us we're reviewing pepsico what in particular are investors going to focus on from this report and i i imagine there's quite a lot of people out there that don't actually know how big pepsico is well before we get started i think it's yeah. an important question that everyone wants to know pepsi or coke sound oh i do you know what it it's I, I I will go with Coke, but mm. you know if I was like in a McDonald's or something, and you know you just get the syrupy Coke or Pepsi, that does yeah. it for me. That's what I want. I want it. Yeah. I don't want none of this Coke Zero or Pepsi Zero. If there is, I want it full fat, and that's why I've gone and got a Coke. I haven't gone there to get a Diet Coke um, yeah, okay. or whatever. But I, yeah, I'll go Coke. Yourself? Yeah, Coke as well. But um, you know, I don't mind a Pepsi Max. Mm. Um, mm. interesting though, never really ever, ever seen anyone say, say Pepsi. Yeah. Um, there is actually quite a good show on Netflix going well off the point called Pepsi. Where's my jet? Um, I've seen that. I haven't watched it. Yeah. I saw, I saw it was advertised. Yeah. It's quite good. Um, but it, they have some like marketing guys in there and they bring all the drinks and they're like, oh, of course I can tell the difference between Pepsi and Coke. And some of them can't, wow. um, which I would back myself being able to know that I could, but these guys worked at Pepsi. So there we go. Um, yeah, I, I reckon I'd be able to. Um, yeah. But then I, I, I also thought I would do quite well in the office. Uh, not sure whether she could admit this. It was after working hours, of course, but we did a, a beer tasting challenge and we had, I think it was 10 beers and we ought to write down which one it was. And I got one out of 10 right, which was Corona, which is probably the most obvious tasting beer. So I'm really bad at that. But I'd like to think out Pepsi and Coke, I could get it right. Uh, but yeah, massive company, though. incredible sort of looking into it. Well, there's a, that's a, I think that's a, that's a social clip there when people will be very pleased to know that Josh Gilbert is returning to the UK. Sam and Josh Duo is back yeah. on again in March. Maybe we could, yeah. we could try that then. Yes, um, absolutely. See how we go. Um, but yeah, back to earnings, which I think probably everyone wants to really know about. Yes. Uh, interestingly, we've actually seen a pretty good start to earnings season uh, from cons- consumer discretionary stocks, which... Uh, Pepsi will obviously fall under. They've been the biggest surprise actually of earnings season so far. They're beating estimates. Um, look, that's probably because they've had a pretty low bar set. Um, you know, analysts are downgrading, not expecting much. And ultimately, they aren't as bad as feared. So coming into the report, I think there should be some positivity for for PepsiCo investors. I think you can come into this, um, you know, with uh 
you know, with it, with a bit of a bit of a chip on your shoulder. Um, expectations are for Q4 earnings of a dollar sixty-five on revenue of twenty-six point eight billion. That's up from a dollar fifty-three and twenty-five point two five billion a year ago. So we're looking at growth for eight percent and six point three percent respectively. Um, and as you say, huge, huge sort of base. Um, you know, some some massive names. Whether we're thinking about Mountain Dew, Gatorade, Walkers, Tropicana, the list can go on. Um, it's a stable brand in Pepsi itself, let alone those other sort of businesses in there as well. And I think that, you know, we've got headwinds at play here for Pepsi, no doubt. High inflation, supply chain problems, you're going to have rate rises um, that is going to be affecting consumer, sent- uh, consumer sentiment and spending. Uh, but high inflation and supply chain problems, you know, may have impacted margins. Um, but I think the the one sort of offset that I think that these consumer discretionary stocks have at their disposal is that they can sort of flex a bit of pricing power. Uh, they can pass on sort of raw material costs, supply chain issues, and obviously inflation onto shoppers without sort of denting that demand. You know, we you might not really notice a sort of 50 pence or 50 cents increase in, in a can of Pepsi. Um, but you might notice a $500 increase in your iPhone, for example. So I think it's, it's about sort of being able to do that without sort of really changing, changing that demand. Um, and I mentioned those, those names earlier, right? You know, Gatorade, Mountain Dew, et cetera. Are they going to be names that households stop buying? Are we going to see consumers really just stop buying them? Probably not. If you've always had Tropicana orange juice, you know, in the fridge, or we've always had cans of Pepsi, it's probably not going to be something that you you give up. You're probably going to maybe not choose to to buy a new iPhone straight away. You might might hold off that purchase until um, you know your wages go up or or you can afford it. Um, but as I say, consumer discretionary so far so good. McDonald's some great earnings said that consumers are actually more resilient than they expected. Uh, same from Starbucks. So there's been some, you know, some 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 uh, some good earnings in there. We had some other names that didn't fare as well. Chipotle uh, overnight, you know, didn't do as well. Uh, they had a a bit of difficulty in demand coming through in stores. So it, you know, it's it's a bit of a mix. But as I say, so far so good for consumers discretionary stocks. Um, but as I say, that that inflation is is going to be key. Food prices increased by about ten percent, according. Uh, to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, which is a pretty sizable jump in in 2022. So, you know, is that going to have dented demand? Are people actually going to have stopped buying those items? Personally, I don't think so. And I think we will see some resilient earnings here from Pepsi. Uh, but let's wait and see. Yeah, really interesting. And, and and just as you were you were finishing there, I was looking at the chart and their earnings were coming out before the open on Thursday. And the way I quite like to look at an earnings report is I have no interest in jumping in straight away and definitely not just before. Uh, 175 key resistance looking at the chart. And for me, 168 very key support. We're trading at 171. So not far off bang in the middle of that. So if I'm bullish, it would be because we're trading above 175. If I'm bearish or holding off, it'll be below 168. That's how I see it. Before the open Thursday will be when we get those results. Uh, our final stock for this week is Disney. Streaming battles are heating up. Consumers are out and about. But will inflation and rate rises have an effect on consumers? You know, what's ahead in earnings uh, and for Disney? A good question. I think we covered it a little bit there in terms of what we said with sort of Pepsi in terms of that. And it's the same thing with Disney, right? 
Um, but I think that, you know, there's a little bit of room here for, you know, a little bit of difference in terms of earnings. I think a big focus is going to be, this is the first set of results with CEO Bob Iger back at the helm after he sort of made a surprise comeback. You know, markets reacted really, really well to that last time or Disney share price reacted really well. Investors like that. Uh, and I think the idea here is, you know, can he get Disney's growth back on track? That's what we're going to be sort of looking for. Um, I'd expect to see him stamp his mark on Disney this week. A new strategy, possibly some conversation around restructuring. Uh, and most likely, as we've seen across the industry, cost-cutting plans in this current environment, if that's the case as well. But just more strategy, what that growth sort of looks like as well. Um, Disney is is actually reporting Q1, Q1 earnings, so it's fiscal Q1 earnings. So 2022 earnings have, have gone, uh, forecasted to report 7.3% year-over-year rise in revenue at $23.4 billion. Um, but earnings are actually expected to fall 29% to 75 cents. Um, so if we dive into those results and really look at, okay, where's this money going to be coming from? Theme parks, resorts, and other experience. Um, we'll jump with that first because I think streaming is going to take a bit longer. Um, but yeah, this segment is expected to deliver its best set of post-pandemic results yet as they continue to obviously recover from COVID-19. So we're seeing, as, as you sort of said there, Sam, consumers getting back out to parks, really wanting to you know, use those experience again, you know, after we were you know, locked up basically in our houses for a couple of years. Um, so no wonder people want to go back to, to Disney again. So yeah, that unit is expected to see 11.6% rise in revenues and operating profit actually back up to 2.6 billion. So that's really key. That's a boy there for Disney uh, is that we're going to be seeing operating profit there, which is not happening in the streaming segment. Um, and the focus these days tends to be on Disney streaming service. Its subscriber base, as we know, has grown at a very, very impressive rate since Disney Plus was introduced. But we're starting to see growth moderate, as we did with Netflix in 2022. So actually, people might be surprised to hear this, but Disney Plus is actually expected to lose 250,000 subscribers. Yeah, uh, for the first time um that this is you know they've lost users since actually launching so i would i've not actually had a chance to do it but i would love to maybe go back through and have a look at netflix's history to see yeah when the first time that they lost subscribers was yeah absolutely um but i say that it still leaves them with 164 million subscribers um which actually has taken them above netflix um and look, as I say, it's been nothing short of impressive, this rise. Uh, I mean, look, you, you probably couldn't have expected to continue moving forward, I guess. You know, there's they've got a very different diversified approach to Netflix. They've got ESPN, they've got Hulu. Um, one of the reasons that I think that we could see this loss in subscribers is down to the IPL. So Hotstar, which is one of their um one of their streaming services hasn't had the ipl and the ipl hasn't been on which could be one of the reasons they get millions and millions of subscribers over in india for that so that could be something to think about um as i say we've seen that impressive growth but as i've mentioned it hasn't been cheap streaming is making large losses for disney and ultimately disney now needs to make streaming profitable so the key is to start making progress on that are we going to see it in this quarter Potentially, I think that we could. I think it looks like we're starting to reach peak losses for the segment. I think that could be behind them. 
Um, or if it's not behind them, this will be the peak of losses, I would say. Um, and I think investors are going to need to be patient with that as well, because Wall Street doesn't believe that Disney streaming services will become profitable until 2024, second half of 2024 as well. Um, but as I say, you know, they're buoyed by other, other, you know, revenues and other profitability and other areas of the business, which other companies aren't so fortunate to have. So it's a little bit like when we think about Meta, right? They're pushing and they're having $13 billion worth of losses on the metaverse, but actually they are making up for that with, you know, fantastic advertising revenue that they can get through Facebook and Instagram. So they can afford to do this. That's why we're seeing it. Um, but as I say, any signal that profitability will be achieved sooner, that's going to be hugely bullish for the stock. Um, and again, the, the negative side of that, there is a risk that it could take longer, especially if we're seeing that subscriber growth slow as well. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really important to note, but as I say, subscriber growth is expected to slow down for the year. They had 57 million new subs last year, only 34 million this year. Um, so let's summarize that. Cause I've, I've said a lot there. So let's summarize, um, new plans and a clear strategy from Bob, Bob Biger. That's what I'm looking for there. Secondly, strong park revenues, but will we have guidance that shows consumers are still spending or slowing down and is profitability still there? And finally, can Disney avoid a loss of subscribers when the market expects it to lose or will it be worse than feared? Uh, sometimes we've seen a bit of a mix from, from Netflix as well. And will they give us a clear path to profitability as well? So I think those are the three key takeaways uh, from the results and the calls as well. Um, but it's going to be an interesting uh, a set of earnings and uh, earnings call either way yeah absolutely and and, and chart wise <clears throat> i actually really like the way it's looking right now if i'm being completely honest always a risk before the earnings but the fact that it's trading nicely above 107 which was resistance from uh sort of october november time last year that's massive it's above the 100 day moving average if i'm bullish then i want to see price remain above 107 i really do not want to see it go below 99 uh, dollars a share which is resistance from december which is the 100 day moving average that would worry me big time uh to the upside an area where i think bulls would be looking at taking some profit is around 127 the august high which is also the february low from last year real key area to to focus on technically um speaking of uh bob Iger, he always whenever i hear his name i always think of bon Iver, the uh the, the band that did that skinny love song if you remember that that's quite popular when we were a bit younger uh people may be listening to me now thinking what is he on about but go listen to it good tune um anyway let's wrap this up with the answer to our quiz question earlier i asked um josh and he gave me two answers but just before we go through the answer let's go through the question again there was only one company in the world that was in the top 10 companies by market cap at the beginning of the 80s the 90s the noughties and the teenies which was it and by the way teenies i actually had to google that that is the right way to say that period but anyway it is uh so it fell out at the beginning of 2020 but it's almost back in the, the top 10 as we speak remember this is the at the beginning of the decade so in between the decade it could have fallen out but josh went for either exxon or his second guess was johnson johnson the answer drum roll please exxon Exxon, well done. Well done. I wonder how many of you at home would have got that. I knew Exxon was, personally, I, I knew Exxon was up there for a long, long time. Would I have got it? I think it probably would have been in, in my guess. It was the uh, biggest stock for a long time, right? Yes. Yeah. 
Exactly. Yeah. Um, but incredible that at the beginning of each decade, it had been there. It's just fallen out now. And actually, I saw when I was researching this, there was a few linked tweets from people talking at the beginning of 2020 when it wasn't in there. And they were like, oh, this stock is dead. It's never going to recover. And then oil does what it does. And now it's, you know, literally just outside that top 10. It's a, at its all time high share price wise as well. Um, so, yeah, making predictions can can always be uh, can always be tricky. Uh, I saw another tweet from Michael Burry yesterday, which I'm sure people would have seen. He said uh, this time it's different dot 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 in a sarcastic tone he's deleted every other tweet he's done so we'll see how long this one lasts but uh yeah maybe one to i guess if you just keep calling you know a bear market or a collapse you know once uh, you know if you know every 30 years then you might get one right uh, yeah I think history exactly. might be on your side there so the risk i don't know if you saw this jim kramer Oof, tweeted oh. i reiterate it is a bull market he tweeted something negative a few days ago. Just go back to that. I know. Yeah. yeah exactly. Uh, bless him. Bless him. But look, we'll we'll wrap it there. Um, next week, by the way, is, is I think a a busier week macro wise than this one. So let's go quickly. Just run through some of those highlights. You've got the UK jobs report. You've got US CPI. You've got Eurozone flash GDP. UK inflation, and then retail sales from the US. UK and Australia also, I should say, Australian Jobs Report and Canadian PPI. So quite a, a bit coming out. Um, so next week, going to be probably more macro focused, although, of course, there will be some decent earnings too. Josh, as always, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Sam. Always my pleasure and hope everyone enjoys the rest of their week. Take care, guys, and trade safe. You have been listening to Digest and Invest by eToro. For more information, use eToro.com. 